Grace Bible Church. This is Pastor Brent. I'm here with Stephen Powell, our worship pastor. Hey, guys. Hey, we are so excited to be able to uh, take a couple minutes, it'll be about 20 or so minutes on a weekly basis, uh, to really highlight a little bit of not only what took place on Sunday, but to kind of connect the two Sundays together. Uh, and also to hear some stories from our church members. One of the blessings of being a multi-generational church is that there is just a multitude of stories and how God's working in the life of our people. And so uh, we want to take a moment uh, to highlight that this week. Yeah, it's a true blessing to be able to come back after the holidays and be with church family uh, to begin a new series yeah. in the book of John. And um, so it was, a great, it was a great time of worship on Sunday. So uh, anything you'd like to maybe rehash, or if you could have expounded on something else, what would you uh, what you like to say? Yeah, first I'd like to say I, I think I went a little longer in my sermon because I missed a Sunday, so I had extra <laughs> stored up. up. I did, I made it up. So, uh, but no, I, it was a joy uh, to uh, to dive into the Gospel of John, and and one of my goals for this series, as you as you know, John is one of those books where it's it's a lot of times it's a believer's first book that they read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many in our congregation who've been walking with the Lord for many years. Uh, are so familiar with the Gospel of John, and and yet we have other uh, folks who are newer to the faith, or or yet not in the faith, but are still exploring what's it mean to become a Christian, to follow after Jesus. Right. So my my hope for John is not only that it will stir our affections for the Lord, uh, but for those of us that have been walking with the Lord for some time, it'll help us to to realize the the greatness and the true value of the gospel that we've received in in this good news of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to share a story with you about that. Is that all right? <laughs> I, I like stories. Right. So I found this this realization, <laughs> I think, in my own life that uh, it's it's the realization of the true value that you have when those moments hit you of really how good some of the things that we already have are uh, when we think we lost them uh, and we get them back, just the perspective that it gives us. Yeah. Uh, so as you know, Stephen, I am a golfer. And I am not. That's very true, <laughs> both of those. And I did not say I'm a good golfer, but I'm a golfer and and uh, I, can, uh, I can hit the ball a long ways, but usually it's totally the wrong direction. Well, we at least have that in common. That's a guess. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've never made a hole in one, uh, but my most prized golf shot all my years, uh, we were, it was, it was a cold of winter and in Missouri, you golf all times of the year. Winter doesn't stop you at all. I was with my dad and, uh, and another man and we were on the 18th hole and I was hitting a, a lob wedge, a club that shouldn't go too far, but I was swinging as hard as I could. I hit the ball and I did what golfers call blade it. And the ball went straight and about 100 yards further than it should have gone, right into the parking lot, Uh-oh. right into the parking lot and dead on with a Porsche and a car Corvette. <laughs> it was going to drill one of them. There was no other way about it. And so immediately I dropped my club. I put my hands on my head and I yelled, just a primal yell <laughs> that you give when you're about to have probably $10,000 plus of property right. damage. That's right. your fault. Yeah. I was terrified. And by God's grace, this ball hit the tiniest crack in the parking lot and jumped over both of the cars all the way over the parking lot. Uh, needless to say, I did not hit another golf shot, but I went away from that hole. I didn't even play out the hole, but I walked away more joyful than I have been in golf in years. Mm. And it was because I, I realized the the value of not having lost $10,000. Right? A bunch of pride and all kinds of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It was all gone at that point. Uh, but for the Gospel of John, you know, so many of us, we walk in this good news of Christ's life, death, resurrection, and the prize of the Gospel that calls us to, to be those that walk after Jesus. His way is always better. The great love of God that He showed us in Christ, uh, we can forget that. We can, it can slip into the back of our minds sometime. And that's one of the, my hopes in the Gospel of John as we walk through, that we would just 
be reminded of the great gift we've received by the love of God in Jesus. Mm. Yeah, and the the contrast of what you know in your story could have been potentially really bad news, and then was really great news. Um, it's a lot of the same reason why it's good for us to do this God, man, Christ response um, structured to our services that we do every single Sunday, um, because the good news is all the more sweeter if we remember the bad news. If we remember our sinful condition, uh, it is, it's much better for us as we look to Christ. The, the contrast there helps us to be all the more grateful uh, for what our God's done. And so uh, we try to do that every single Sunday. We did that this past Sunday as well. And so those are good rhythms for us yeah. that give us grateful hearts. Yeah, you know, I, that was something I so appreciate uh, about that is the intentionality that goes into the songs that we sing and why we sing them. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's the appreciation of the true standing of the bad news. It's not to make ourselves feel better for the bad, but it's the, the sweetness of the goodness of Jesus and the love of God. That's right. That's incredible. Well, from time to time uh, in this podcast, we're going to take some time with church members to hear from them, to interview them a little bit, uh, to hear uh, what the Lord has done in their life. And so today I'm sitting down with Bobby Austin, who is our uh, pastor of Students and Families. Is that your title? Youth and Family. Youth and Families. And other duties. I guess college people are students too, so that probably is confusing. Yeah. Okay, youth and families. Uh, and um, while Bobby's on staff, he is, and as well as I am, that's English and it's hard sometimes, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're both church members as well. And so this is uh, applicable for this time. So we want to hear a little bit from, from Bobby today about a little bit about his story and particularly about how you've um, grown and interacted with the church in your life. And so can you tell us a little bit about your journey through uh, through the church? Yeah, so I grew up in Abilene, Texas, and we were at church anytime. It was if there was an event, we were there. It was RAs, basketball. Oh yeah. Uh, you know anything, VBS. We were there, and I started to pick up on this is what's reinforced, and this is um, kind of a direction they're going, and. Uh, I did Bible drill, so I knew scripture, I knew answers. At Sunday school, it was uh, I was probably the go-to kid where you're like, okay, who knows this? And I knew it. I could answer any question. Uh, but it was still very, it was a very head knowledge. Uh, became a believer, baptized at fourth grade. And I, I believe that I became a believer then, but it was just, it was still head knowledge, you know, like, I don't think the Lord had really grabbed my heart and like my life. And so then I had developed this idea of what it meant and it was to be good and moral was more important than, uh, really what the Bible talks about as being a believer. It was just mm -hmm. what was reinforced at home and, and at church was just being good. And then that was only, uh, solidified at Baylor, uh, the same thing, just be good. Just be good. Mm. Uh, went to church. I mean, back row. As soon as I could get out of there, I was gone. Uh, but I could check it off the list as having gone to church that week. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, it, it kind of just perpetuated that thing of my involvement in church was 
as a consumer. I received uh, as much as they would allow, um, but it's still kind of keeping everything at a distance, having a wall uh, to not really ever actually being vulnerable with anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was never really asked of me. And so it was like, okay, I can do, uh, I can be good. I can check these things off the list and do everything they're asking me to do, but nobody ever asking me hard questions, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so at what point did, did something kind of change? I mean, what, you know, did you, I'm curious how that, how that felt for you and then how, you know, when one day maybe you realized that there was something better than that, what, what did that look like for you? Yeah. Well, you know, I was, I was competitive at the same time. And so it was this weird dynamic of wanting to be good and wanting to be the best at being good. And it was really (laughs) weird. But, um, then I, after college, I got a job at Pine Cove and I went into this environment where there were just hundreds of college students who loved the Lord and, I looked just like them. I acted like it was just, it's fun. There's energy. Uh, You've got kids coming in that you want to tell about the Lord. And like, I could do all those things. There was a big fat book of rules that I could be like, all right, if I operate in these, like I'm good to go. Hmm. But what was different is what was driving each of those uh, staffers was different than what was driving me. Hmm. I had built up this idea of being moral and being a hard worker. And then that was kind of what my faith was based on. That was like my journey and all these other people. That's not what was motivating them. Mm. They were in an environment where they were saying, okay, Lord, like I want you to work through me. I want it to be an, uh, an overflow of what you're pouring into me is what I'm pouring into these kids. And that was just completely different for me. And so inevitably it got to a point at camp. The whole idea is that they want to put too much on you so that you do break. And I broke. And it was just a, a moment of realizing no matter what I'm doing, no matter how hard I'm working, how good I'm being, at some point I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. And that was tough because I'm dealing with, you know, whatever the years of like thinking that I was good enough. Right. Yeah. And then realizing that that was filthy rags. Mm-hmm. That was nothing compared to the Lord's joy pouring out of me you know, his patience pouring out of me. And so uh, it was there that it would just, it became real of, oh my gosh, what have I been doing? But then what a great environment to be vulnerable for that first time with people who had probably walked a lot of that path to get there and were just a little bit further ahead uh, to walk that journey with. Yeah. So now here at Grace, as you're you're here and you're a part of our church family and you're here also doing ministry and leading ministry, how does that impact how you and your family are a part of grace? And then how does that impact how you, uh, maybe your philosophy of, of ministry um, with students and with families? Yeah, well... Um, youth, excuse me. Youth, not student. Well, yeah. also students, but <laughs> any of the above, really. Yeah. But uh, really saying that it's a church family, the church body, like that's the idea of just saying... We're a body and we need all parts. And one of your body parts can't just function where it only receives blood and just is like a parasite for the other things it has. <laughs> right. You have to like plug into your spot. Um, and so it's weird to tell uh, people at Grace and our students, sometimes it feels a little bit selfish to say, hey, you need to plug in and serve somewhere. But you're going to get out of a church, what you put in. And, and you hear that like in a lot of different business and, and life, but 
the Lord is going to bless and you're going to be a part of something bigger than yourself whenever you serve and to say, okay, I'm looking for community. Well, if you go to community group, you're probably going to get it. But if you go serve and you plug in somewhere, I guarantee you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. And so to really encourage our people, don't just sit back on the sidelines. Don't just be a consumer like I was, but look for ways to plug in. Look for areas that you say, okay, the Lord has gifted me with a desire to be hospitable, a desire to act stupid with kids. You know, there's a place for you in the body to do those things. And then you in turn are going to get the benefit from that. Yes, it helps us as a church to be able to have programs. But more importantly, you as a believer are going to feel connected to the body because you're not just consuming. You're pouring in and you're and you're with a group of people that you're serving alongside, that you're vulnerable with. And that's when true community happens, I think, whenever you're serving. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because when I think about maybe teenage Bobby, you know, and what you're saying right now. Careful, teenage I know, Bobby. Right? <laughs> but what you're saying right now, if you were saying that to kid, to yourself as a teenager, you know, you would be thinking about, it sounds like, at least if I could uh, picture it, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to go serve in the church because I think that's going to make me a better guy. Yeah. You know, and well, more you're actually checklist. saying here, hey, serve in the church because uh, you're going to gain community. It's kind of like you used the term sidelines a second ago. I yeah. think about, I think about um, like a football team mm-hmm. as you're working together for a goal. You know, you think about the bonds of of guys on a team or whether it's uh, baseball or football or whatever the, whatever the team is, they're working together for a goal. And as you work together, you gain community, you gain that team yeah, family. Absolutely. Feel. Um, well, that's really great. Thanks so much for sharing and being able to be transparent with us. For sure. My um, pleasure. It's a, it's a blessing always to hear how the Lord has worked in someone's life. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks for having me. The good news is that uh, Sunday is coming again, and we get to gather again with uh, our church family. So we're continuing through John. Uh, where are we going to be this week, and um, and how can we prepare as we get ready to worship? Excellent. Yeah, we'll be in verse 19 through 28 of John chapter 1, but you'll see uh, on Sunday anyway in the bulletin that we'll be starting in verse 6 and 7. And the big idea of Sunday is that, that John the Baptist, he is sent by the Lord to two things, to act on and to act out the Lord's commissioning for his life. And if there was one maybe area of homework or a fun study to do is, is as you read through the Gospel of John, is to underline the word sent. Wherever you see the word sent, uh, sent at, underline it. Sending, sent, will send. Uh, underline it or highlight it or do something to, to note the movement. Because uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, God is active in mission. The triune God is active in mission. From mm. the sending of the Word, we saw at the very beginning, uh, the Word becoming flesh, dwelling among us, John being sent. And we'll see the sending language all the way through the gospel, even of, of Jesus telling us He's sending the Spirit, He commissions, and He sends the disciples. And so the idea being we are all sent on mission. And what you'll note in our text this week of 19 through 28, not only is John sent, but the, uh, the scribes and the priests are also sent. So it's not just the the sending that's taking place is is people that are commissioned by God, but everyone seems to be sent by someone. Mm. Uh, the question becomes is is whose mission are we living for, uh, and how do we go about getting involved in the, the the joyful mission of love that God has sent us on in Christ? It's going to be a great text. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. John uh, is it John twenty twenty one? The Father has sent me, so I send you. It's really 
um, it's really empowering and amazing to think about how the Lord um, has done these things and now has equipped us and empowered us to be able to do these things by the Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And I noted that you, uh, you've you chosen In Christ Alone to be one of the songs that we sing this week. Can you kind of give some more idea of, of why that song and why this Sunday? Yeah, absolutely. So we, you and I were talking and, and planning uh, about who we are in Christ and because of what Christ has done for us, the mission that we have, and uh, as we live our lives for the glory of God, yeah. who, who we are. And so there's this last verse of In Christ Alone says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. And the first three verses before that uh, beautifully explain the gospel. And so the fourth verse is our response. We get to sing uh, you know what? I, I'm I am sustained in Christ alone, mm. and um, n- no power of hell can destroy me because of what God has done. And so it's going to be a joy to be able to sing that truth. Together. Yeah, and I'm just incredibly impressed that you're able to restrain yourself from breaking out in song by reading it. So you're welcome. Uh, well done. We almost had a duet here, <laughs> uh, but I, I I really can't wait, Stephen. Sunday is coming. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. All right, we'll see you then.